Bitter Pill are committed to producing new writing until theatres in the UK reopen. Through the Painkiller Project, we're open for submissions once a month and are producing two plays from each submission window. If you enjoy the play you're about to hear and you'd like to support the continuation of the project, please consider pledging to our Patreon to make a donation that will be repeated each time a new play is released. Alternatively, you can make a one-off donation through paypal.me. Any donation would mean the world to us. For more information, follow the links in the description of this podcast. And now the Painkiller Project presents Paper Thin. When an oblivious father enters her comic shop, Vanessa is tasked with finding out what he wants without giving away a secret that could make the whole transaction very awkward. Enjoy. I was thinking about the soundtrack to Bear Assassin 4. I wasn't listening to it. I was just thinking about it. The way the violins swell near the end makes my skin get the bumps. It's a film about a bear who hunts Nazis. Stupidest movie in the world. The soundtrack shouldn't be that good. It should be all wooden blocks and pitchy recorders for how bad the film is. I think about putting it on the shop's PA system just as the dad comes in. Not my dad, obviously, just a dad. Looking all lost and confused, like he's boarded a 50th century time machine instead of a back alley comic book shop in Soho. I don't say hello at first. That can scare off the aliens. What I call the new starters. Gift buyers. Confused old people and poser hipsters who pretend they read comics all the time but they really can't afford it. He wanders around for a few minutes, almost ashamed to let his gaze linger for too long. He picks up a copy of the new Town Girls series. The cover has a picture of three teenage girls in the backseat of a car, one of them holding a knife. He puts it back on the shelf, flipping it around to avoid seeing it again. It's not a dirty mag, mate. What's that? He turns. We balance for a moment. Even I didn't expect to blurt that out so suddenly. Are you looking for anything in particular? I come around from behind the till and pretend to fix one of the killer robot statues nearby as to not put pressure on his answer. Like I haven't left my post to help someone I know couldn't care less. I'm sorry. His eyes dart about, not knowing if he should avoid staring at my shoulder tattoo or my buzz cut. They're all very... Scantily clad, the women. I don't say anything, opting to let him stew for a moment. I'm looking for my son. He straightens his tie and clears his throat. Something for him, I mean. Well, not for him. Jesus, I think to myself. He's crumbled at a simple question. I have that effect sometimes, according to Lucy. She says I'm unaware of my sharpness. One of my more complex traits, apparently. (sighs) The dad explains himself. My son, Connor, likes the... The... uh, Oh, what is it? The ground force? You mean the earth core? 
a group of outcast superheroes on the run, saving the universe. He shakes his head and exhales. Yeah, that. I take him to the shelf of the Earthcore stuff. Rows of comics, graphic novels, and big hardback books about the history of it all. He looks about ready to break when I show it to him. Which is the first one? The first one. I sigh. I need to understand it. The start of the story. Wait, so you're reading it, not your son? He goes pink. Horribly embarrassed to indulge in something like this. My son loves this stuff. And I need, I want, to talk to him about it. To get it. I don't know why, but my eyes get all warm and my throat goes solid. I shove it down. Another complex trait of mine. He doesn't talk to me about much, but this seems like a good doorway, right? Into other things? As if I know how father-son relationships work. That's literally my one blind spot. I divert his attention back to the matter at hand. I try to explain to him. Not sure if I'm dumbing it down enough. You shouldn't start with the first issues. It's not great in the first run. What you want is to get the reboot series from 2006. Basically, every few years they start the series again, for whatever reason, and the 2006 one has the best characters and stories. Easy to jump on from there. I scan the shelves in the right collection and hand him the first two. It's great stuff in there. A lot of humour, some sad bits. They get sad. He questions me like I said it in reverse or something. Yeah. A lot of this series gets emotional. I'm sure at this point he's scoffing to himself. How dare something so frivolous and babyish actually connect with the human spirit? <sighs> he stops for a moment and jabs the cover of the first collection. This one. I know he loves this character, the red man. He, he, he's got a toy of him and uh, his phone case has it on. He points at the suave, crimson-skinned man posing with his arms folded. Sunbeam. I tell him, suddenly going cold. One of the founding members of the team. He can control fire and survive in extreme temperatures. He's also... So any stories with him in would be helpful. What does he get up to? I can't bring myself to tell him. I can't. Sunbeam is known for one thing, really. Especially nowadays. Let me think. I stroke my chin and look to the damp patch above the board games. I'm a terrible actor. I know exactly what Sunbeam does, and somehow I know exactly why this stranger's son won't talk to him, and... I, it's not my place. It really isn't. Issue 13 of the current run. June of 2018. Sunbeam finally comes out of the closet and reveals his boyfriend. They kiss, history is made, an icon is born. The dad frowns, awaiting a response. There's only one reason his kid would idolise Sunbeam so much. Character's a bit dull, if I'm honest, and his power's pretty basic. 
The only reason he'd be into him is if he represented something. A freedom. A power. I wish Sunbeam existed when I was a terrified, lonely 13-year-old. Well, if I'm honest, I wish it was Ruby Jacks. She was gorgeous. Plus, she can bend metal, which, in my opinion, I can Google it. The dad pulls out his phone and starts to search. Sunbeam Earth Core. I can't stop it. He's about to find out his son's secret, surely. And I'm here for it. I'd give a week's salary to have the power to shrink right away and stop being a part of this man's family drama. His face drops. So does my stomach. There's no signal in here. He brings the phone closer to his face like that will fix it somehow. After two years of cursing the coverage in this part of the shop, I'm overjoyed that phones don't work here. Actually, I don't think Sunbeam's had many stories of his own. Has he? Hmm. No. Maybe. You can start with these two collections and then ask... Connor. Ask Connor. Or don't. Leave him be. The sweat pours out of me so rapidly I start to wonder if that's my superpower. I rush back to the till, basically dragging the poor man with me. I just want him out of the shop and out of my hair. Well, you've been very helpful. He offers, smiling. The warmth and genuine appreciation he has is relaxing. Connor's clearly got a good dad there. But if it's not the time, it's not the time. This guy seems like the kind of dad who would hold a pride barbecue in June or introduce his football mates to Dua Lipa. He's a good one. And that matters. But it's not my story, and it's not my job. I'm an unwilling secret keeper. As I hand over the receipt and send the dad on his way, I wonder what would have happened if Alexander was working today instead of me. Loud, brash Alexander with his poor resolution memes and smelly opinions about why female superhero movies shouldn't exist. He'd have laughed to himself or given the game away. He'd out the poor lad to his father, making some bad-taste joke about the tight leather costumes. The dad thanks me again and heads outside into the fresh air. I stand in my cold, dark dungeon and think about the last time I called my own dad. If I'd even want to. I'd rather call Lucy. Apologise. Just get the argument over and done with. Even if it's just to hear her laugh again. <sighs> She'd love this. Paper Thin was written by Elliot J. Fallows and performed by Pearl Mackey.
It was directed by Dom Riley with sound design by Piers Sherwood Roberts. Thank you for listening.